0: Welcome to Outside the Box, a mental health initiative striving to end the stigma surrounding mental health. Hi, this is Outside the Box, and today I'm in conversation with Emily May, the president, co-founder, and lead executive officer of RightToBe.org. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, as I mentioned, I had heard about your organization. I I don't know if it was Instagram, uh, somewhere online. and. It's just sounded like an incredible movement to empower people um, because there is we're living in a world of a lot of harassment at times, especially online. Well, it's really everywhere. And I wanted to find out really how this movement started. Yeah, you know, I
1: started this work um, back in 2005 and really started it based off my own experiences of street harassment or sexual harassment in public space. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we had heard the story of a young woman named Tal Nguyen, who was sitting in the New York City subway when an older man exposed himself in front of her. Tal took his picture with the intent of taking it to the police. The Mm -hmm. police were like, sorry, miss, he's probably seven or eight stops away by now. And so Tal took that photo and put it on Flickr, the photo sharing website, it went viral, it made it to the front cover of the the Daily News here in New uh-huh. York City. Um, and we thought, you know, gosh, like everybody has a story of that happening. You know, my boss at the time had seen that exact guy masturbating on the subway <gasps> earlier. Really? Yes. And so we're like, well, what if we use these newfangled cell phone cameras that we've all got in our pockets to bring awareness, to tell our stories, to show Mm -hmm. people what happens and and how it happens and why it matters. And so it started off like that. We just started sharing our stories. Um, It grew over time. We started mapping stories. And and as all of those stories, stories, stories started coming in, we started to think like, is there any Solution to all this, you know, okay. when you like just walk on, you feel weak. If you right. try and say something to the guy, they'll snap back at you, tell mm-hmm. you're ugly anyway, right? Um, yeah, the police don't care. Yeah. Like, what do we do about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the stories, we started to read, you know, that the, the number one thing that really helped people is when somebody around them intervened or even sometimes would just say like I'm so sorry that happened that wasn't okay Um, that that actually helped people build resilience and so in 2011 we started doing what's known as bystander intervention training which is simply just teaching people how to intervene when they see harassment happen Um, and now you know 12 years later we've expanded to not just looking at street harassment but looking at all forms of harassment and yeah. using this methodology we built called the five Ds of bystander intervention um, to ultimately intervene and, and stop it.
0: That's wonderful. And now I remember also what made me contact you is because I grew up in Manhattan and mm-hmm. there's, there was always something I was seeing and it was typically people wouldn't do anything. They, they wouldn't help a total stranger. And I love the idea of the interventions that you've come up with. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think it's common. I think a lot of people have honestly like viable reasons why they don't want to do it. Maybe they're scared that it's going to turn on them and escalate in some way. Um, I think some people are scared that if they notice it, then the person who was harassed will notice it too, right? Um, Which doesn't really make sense. But people are scared of it anyway, or they're scared that they're going to escalate the situation. Maybe it's a domestic violence situation. And so, you know, all of that we want to take into account and and hold those concerns as true. I think they are valid. And then see, given that, you know, is there still something that we can do to help? And most of the time there is.
0: I remember seeing um a girl walking down the street in New York and I don't know if it was associated with your organization, but she videoed um the experience she had as a woman walking down the streets of New York, being catcalled, whistled at, all these things. And then she would approach them like oh you know you want my number what's your number and and they were so taken aback um it was really turning the tables I really liked it have you ever seen that I can't remember who put that out I've there. seen
1: variations of it there's also a great like Sex in the City episode where Miranda like finally gives in to the guys that are cat calling her and she's like great let's go have sex and they're <laughs> like what lady what are you talking about like I'm a, wife a- and kids at home right. and she's like <laughs>
0: That's you know it, it's so funny though. That's what it takes, you know. Yeah. So tell me a little bit um, about your backstory. How do you ended up, you know, having a passion for where you are now?
1: I think you know, ever since I was young, I was very focused on you know the issue of bringing hope to things that felt hopeless. Um, I started off really focused on the issue of poverty um, at, a, at a young age um, and. Feeling, you know, deeply that the the problem of poverty in and of itself was significant, but the way in which it left people feeling truly hopeless, like there was nothing that they could do to emerge out of it because they had been so consistently beat down by life and systems and government and, and, and Mm -hmm. um, made me want to make an impact um, in that work. And so before um, I worked with mentally ill homeless people, I worked with um, low income folks doing workforce development, um, kids who had had dropped out of high school, helping them to get jobs and GEDs, really focused in that area. And I think harassment was one of those issues, you know, it was those issues that people were just like, there's nothing you can do. There's no solution. We're never going to fix this. It's always existed. It's just the price you pay for being a woman or being gay or being black. And we just have to deal with it. Um, And I thought like, you know, especially growing up and and seeing all the work in the nineties that was done by amazing trailblazing women, including Anita Hill to address harassment in the workplace yeah. I was like, well, if we can address it in the workplace, I think we can address it on the street too. Like exactly okay. societal yeah,
0: level. Okay. Yeah. It's not
1: okay. Um and so that really built the the foundation um for us doing what we were doing. And it it hit an nerve. You know, I think uh my generation of women was raised to think that sexual harassment was not okay. We saw those ads on TV. And right. so we were very confused as to why uh, it still existed. Um, And we've made just, uh, I think, a tremendous amount of progress on this issue um, in the past 20 years or so.
0: I think back to something that happened to me when I was 23. I was just out of grad school, my first job in Massachusetts. And um, somebody asked me to review something and he made like a sexual joke out of it. Like, oh, blow me away. (laughs) And I did nothing with that. I was shocked. I, um, I just didn't know what to do. I froze. And now in thinking about it, like if I ever saw this person again, I would totally call him on it because I was, I felt so trapped and uh, powerless at the moment. And that goes on all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think very similar to the story you're telling we all have a tendency to blame ourselves we all wish that we'd said that witty one-liner that that shut them down and yeah. we put this pressure on ourselves to have some kind of perfect response to harassment um which you know i wish existed
0: it doesn't yeah um,
1: and the reality is is that it's not our responsibility to have the perfect response it's their responsibility not to you know,
0: do that in the first process right yeah yeah exactly Yeah. Yeah. No, now I would have a totally different response. (laughs) It's totally, you know, would not hold back. Um, But I I actually shared that with my daughters. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was such a lesson. So tell me about um, the harassment training that your organization offers.
1: Yeah, we do several of them. Um, We do training on what to, how to respond. If you experience harassment yourself, Um, we do training on how to respond if you witness harassment. Harassment, how to how to intervene or stop it or take care of the person um, who's been harassed afterwards. Um, we also do work around conflict de-escalation, resilience, implicit bias. Um, but, you know, the the big the big thing that I think we're we're most well known for is is our work in bystander intervention. Um how do you intervene? And, and what I love about it is that I think it does give people hope. Mm-hmm. Um and the five D's of bystander intervention are things that anyone can do you know, it's distract, create a distraction. Maybe start a conversation with the person being harassed about something unrelated, mm-hmm. delegate, finding somebody else to help. Maybe the person next to you document, creating documentation of the incident, but giving it to the person who's been harassed and leaving them in choice for what they want to do with it next
0: Yeah.
1: or delay, just checking in with the person mm-hmm. after it happens. Um. And then the last one is direct, but it's not about you know, strapping on superhero spandex and swooping down and beating everyone up. It's, it's right. about, um, you know, setting a boundary with the person doing the harassing, but then yes. not at, not escalating it, even if they have some nasty reply um, and uh, just turning your attention to the person being harassed and them. Yes.
0: I um, also, and, go ahead.
1: Yeah, these things are easy. Like it's, I yeah. mean, this is not rocket science that we're teaching people how to do. They just forget.
0: Yes. Um, well, to be calm too, to be calm in the situation. Yeah. Don't escalate it. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I remember um, when I was uh, living in Brookline, Massachusetts, I had gotten off the, the train, the T, and I saw this girl um, in the laundromat and she was by herself. And then I saw somebody um, who was experiencing homelessness. He wandered in, she wasn't paying attention. She was distracted. And he was walking back and forth and looking at her and pacing and walked to the back. And and I, all of a sudden I felt very uncomfortable for her. Mm -hmm. So I walked in and I actually brought her out of the laundromat Mm -hmm. and I said, excuse me, I want, you know, you're, do you know you're all alone in this laundromat and this person just walked in? I mean, he was clearly like, I don't know. There was, he was very nervous yeah, and she was so thankful, but, you know, just making people aware sometimes that are not aware of a situation and just being very calm about it. Yeah. It's good. I think. I think that feeling that somebody
1: else is looking out for us, somebody we don't even know.
0: Yeah. She it, thanked me profusely. Yeah.
1: And, it, yeah. and it counterbalances the idea that, okay, there are people in the world who are going to follow you around the laundromat and make yeah. you feel uncomfortable, but there are also people in the world that are going to watch that happen and and try to take care of you. In that moment, and that's a much more palatable world than a world where there are only people following you around the laundromat. Which is sometimes how it can feel when you're experiencing a lot of
0: harassment. But let me just say, like maybe this person was going to be harmless, and 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 maybe he was just nervous. Maybe he was going to ask for a dollar, you know. But I just wanted her to be aware, like, hey, you are all alone in this laundromat, and you're not aware of your surroundings. I think that was the New York, growing up in New York, part of me. Yeah. Absolutely. What else would you like people to know about your organization if they want to go through the training or anything like that?
1: Yeah, so our goal is to make sure that everyone can be trained for free. So if folks wanna go over to right 2 um, and sign up for one of our upcoming free trainings, we offer, you know, trainings, not just about sexual harassment, but about all forms of harassment, whether it be um, anti-Black harassment, um, anti-Asian harassment, anti-trans harassment, anti-Semitic harassment, you name it, we're offering it. Um, And so really just want to make sure that people know these resources are out there and that they can come and and join us and get their friends engaged in this. Because ultimately I think when you talk about any form of violence, like the most studied and measured way to address violence, hate or harassment is having a community response. It's about us taking care of each other on a really simple fundamental level. And I think it's something that we naturally wanna do
0: as humans
1: but we're not resourced. So we're out there trying to resource people to to do that human thing.
0: So you've received a lot of accolades. Um, 25 kick-ass and amazing women we love, Jezebels, uh, AOL, Next Maker. How does it feel? All of the, Ted City 2.0 prize. How does this feel? I think, uh, yeah, it's not the...
1: (laughs) I mean it feels great i'm not gonna it feels great, but it's not the thing that that keeps me you in this work yeah. Yeah. um you know it's um i think it's uh recognition that um it's working mm-hmm. you know it's recognition that people see what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to build um and and believe in it, and you know it's it's it's. i think anytime somebody comes to a training anytime somebody donates, certainly, you know, awards like that. It's mm-hmm. it's the universe giving me that little bit of push, like keep going, keep going. Because it's not easy, you know, running a nonprofit, it's not right. um easy doing this work. We certainly get a lot of hate and harassment just for doing this work. Do you really? Uh, yeah. I mean, just yesterday we had a training that was open to the public and somebody managed to take the reins of our Zoom, completely take it over and blast the Zoom with gay porn. Um, <sighs> as a way of reminding people who want to address harassment that they're not, not safe and that the people doing the harassment will yeah. always win. Right? And so, um, and and unfortunately it's it has a very silencing and scary effect on everyone, including our team. Um, and so I think the... Um, I think you know. In the same way that we, you know, teach people to intervene, we also really appreciate it when, when people intervene on our behalf too, and and tell yeah. us which we're good and keep
0: doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. Have you found Emily in the past three years? Things have been more amped up because I know there have been so many mental health struggles, um, and if you just and you know, and there's just so much polarization, and there's just so much going on in the news. Have you found um, that there's been a greater need for what you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we have been running this organization since, um, uh, you know, 2010 as an official nonprofit. We were at between three and five staff forever. 2021 rolls around in those few years, we've gone grown, grown from five staff um, into fully 20 um, mm-hmm. because of the huge demand for mm-hmm. this work. Um, last year alone, I think we trained about a half million people in bystander intervention the year before that, a quarter of a million. So we just see this demand continue to grow, continue to rise. Um, and you know, we are showing up here, here to meet it. When I started this work 17, 18 years ago, people were like, harassment, like, that's not a big issue. You should work on an issue that's more significant. Now people are like harassment that's a huge issue and like yeah. nobody's like working on that like yes. you must be completely inundated <laughs> yes. and it's the same it's the same problem right it's just right. I think awareness that um that it matters that it's important that, it, that right. we're not living in a sticks and stones will break your bones but words will never hurt you moment anymore that people understand that what people say leads to violence yeah and leads you know more extreme forms of violence and and, and creates harm Right. And and that's not something that that is not a a thing that existed when I started this work.
0: I mean, just thinking about COVID, how the Asian community was so impacted by harassment, um, the black community, you know, George Floyd and numerous other lives that were lost. And now I know people in the trans community that get harassed. I saw this video, I was going to send it to you before we chatted, um, this, uh, trans woman Lily shared this on TikTok it was so powerful Lily was sitting in a um I think it was cheesecake factory with her dog really cute little dog and the dog's just looking at her and then for some reason Lily had her camera on facing her and the dog and you hear this woman saying are you a boy or a girl and the woman proceeds to say that she is um forget the term she used um but she's a like anti-trans feminist, I forget what you mm-hmm. call it, and oh, um, a, turf. Yeah. a turf, a turf, okay. Mm-hmm. And she and she says, um, uh, so are you a boy, and 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 then she says, you know, I hit. And the woman proceeds to say that she's seventy. And Lindley says very calmly, "Oh, I, I, really? I'd like to see that." And she was like really calm. And the woman's like, "Eat your effing food and get out of here with your stupid dog." And when Lily, Lily was so composed, um, called over the waitstaff, funny enough, the waitstaff had heard the whole thing the entire time, but did nothing. And Lily said, I'd like to speak with the manager, please. Oh, I'm so sorry that you've experienced this and we'll blah, blah, blah. It was like from the Peanuts cartoon, when you hear wah, 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 wah. <laughs> You hear nothing <laughs> and nothing was done kind of thing. And I thought, Wow. It's people should sit in someone else's shoes for a day. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, and we, we have, um, you know, partnered with Asian Americans advancing justice on our uh, training to address anti-Asian harassment. We partnered with 1 million madly motivated moms to address um, anti-black harassment. We partnered with the national um, uh, center for trans equality to address, you know, anti-trans harassment and, in particular, really watching the conversation um, around the trans community right now, um, and and because that is is on fire, and we are seeing those communities increasingly targeted um, yeah. and increasingly uh, politicized. Um, yeah, in, you know, in part of that national national conversation, and 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 that's a community that was already highly targeted and highly politicized. so yes. to, to take it to the next level, starts to. I mean, it's a,
0: it, it fully strip uh, folks of their humanity. So yes, I agree. Listen. I actually know uh, families that have fully embraced with unconditional love their trans boy or girl, and it's beautiful to see. But that's not obviously always the case. Um, by the way, um, you mentioned a few organizations for people that are listening that are part of the trans community, because I know a few people. Um, could you mention those organizations again they could reach out to?
1: Yeah, so uh, um, the Trans uh, Gender, Gender Center for um, uh, Center for Transgender Equality <laughs> That's okay. okay. it. Um,
0: okay. is the
1: one that we're partnered with on, and we have a whole bystander intervention training to address anti trans um, harassment and really recommend um, reaching
0: out to them. Great. I really encourage people to reach out to any organization that like yours yours um that embraces them that has their back because there's so many people that have conflicting viewpoints and they're not interested in humanity they're just interested in their own mindset Exactly. and it feels unsafe you know um anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up
1: no i think that's it it's been a pleasure
0: where can they find you on social right to be
1: yeah, so we are at right to Be org on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, um, right to be on Facebook. We even have a TikTok account these days. Oh good.
0: <laughs> and if they want to volunteer, if they want to get involved, um, do they just reach out to right to org? That's right. Okay. And you're in like where, where are you right now? Where are you located?
1: Uh, our offices our main offices are in Brooklyn, uh, New York. Okay. have um, we are a national organization, so we have folks working from across
0: the country. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much for what you're doing right now. It's so timely. I'm sure you never imagined when you started this no. where it would lead and it's it's like you laid the groundwork for such impactful, meaningful work. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of Outside the Box. We're spreading knowledge and compassion through podcasts, social events, and resources. Outside the Box is committed to facilitating real conversations about real issues that people struggle with every day. I hope my movement will not only inspire you to seek the help you need, but also help you learn the importance of self-awareness, mindfulness, and self-compassion. Want to be a guest on Outside the Box? Drop us an email at info at otbseries.com. We drop a new episode every Thursday, and you can check out our socials at OTBSeries. For more information, visit otbseries.com.